This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. One Twelve Ocean Avenue in Long Island, New York. 525 South Winchester Boulevard in San Jose, California, 232nd Street in Fall River, Massachusetts. What do these addresses have in common? They're some of the most famous haunted houses in America. You probably know them better by different names. They're the locations of the Amityville Horror, the Winchester Mystery House, and the home of Lizzie Borden. These days, all three are popular tourist destinations, and the last two are fully functional museums. But there's another locale you might not know about, which has a similarly spooky background. It sits at 529 North Charles Street in Baltimore, Maryland, and it flies under the radar because, well, it's a 7-Eleven. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. Fluorescent lights, slurpy machines, and cheap lighters are not spooky. But I beg to differ. They're simply a facade over the building's dark history. You see, 529 North Charles Street wasn't always a convenience store. It used to be a boarding house, and way back in 1890, the owner welcomed in three guests, Charles Kennard, Elijah Bond, and Helen Peters. Now, Charles was a businessman, and he had a new product in the works. He invited Elijah, a local investor, to check out the prototype, mostly because he wanted Elijah's sister-in-law, Helen, to come along too. She had a special talent that Charles could make use of. When Elijah and Helen arrived at the boarding house, Charles led them into his room. Inside, the curtains were drawn. The space was dimly lit by candles. There was a table in the center of the room surrounded by three chairs, and on the table sat a board, which was inscribed with the letters of the alphabet and numbers 0 through 9 and the words yes and no. Beside that was a heart-shaped plank called a planchette. The trio sat down. They each lightly rested two fingers on the planchette, and Helen closed her eyes and took a deep breath. She said she could feel power emanating from the board. The men believed her. After all, she was a self-proclaimed psychic medium. That's why Charles wanted her to begin with. And then Helen opened her eyes and looked at the businessman. She wanted to know if there were any particular questions that they should ask the board. And Charles said yes. He needed to know what the product wanted to be called. That way, he could brand it and advertise it. Helen spoke this request out loud. And as if by magic, the planchette slowly began to move across the board. It paused on five different letters, spelling out a word that none of them had ever heard before. O-U-I-J-A. Baffled, the group asked what the word meant. The planchette began to move again, this time spelling a more familiar phrase. Goodbye. It seemed that the board was done talking. Charles stood up, flipped on the lights, and blew out the candles. He had gotten exactly what he wanted— 
an otherworldly name for his spooky product. But before this board could hit the shelves, he needed to get a patent. Luckily, Elijah and Helen agreed to help. All three of them brought the invention, the Ouija or Ouija board, depending on who you ask, to the U.S. Patent Office in Washington, D.C. the following year. Government officials were not entirely convinced of the board's power, until they placed their fingers on the planchette, that is. As the legend goes, Helen also rested her hand on the wooden plank and encouraged the patent officers to ask the board questions. Somehow, be it ghostly intervention or Helen's own hand, the Ouija board answered every question correctly. Charles left that day with his patent. The Ouija board was an instant hit. First marketed as a legitimate tool for contacting the dead, it soon became a favorite children's toy, too. Towing the line between being a harmless game and a demonic portal, the Ouija board has provided generations of players with both fun and fright. And it all began inside a modern-day convenience store. So, if you ever happen to stop by that Baltimore 7-Eleven, look for a silver plaque on the wall that details the building's history. Unlike most gas stations, this one's a one-stop shop for fountain drinks, candy bars, and scary stories. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Do me a favor and imagine that you're 12 years old. Your parents are asleep, and you creep into the living room, switch on the TV, and are confronted by the most unsettling thing you have ever seen. There's a floating head on the television screen. 
It's shrouded in shadows, but you can tell its expression is contorted into a scream. The head shakes left to right as if saying no over and over again. Meanwhile, a high-pitched ringing sound plays in the background. Suddenly, the head multiplies, and a grid of terrified expressions fill the screen. It's soon replaced by a close-up of a fly, which seems to be biting someone's hand. The head appears again, and the hand rips the screaming face right off, leaving behind an open-mouthed skull. The image slowly fades, making room for the name of the TV show, written in neon yellow block letters, Late Night Horror. On April 11th of 1968, this opening sequence was viewed by about 1.8 million people in the United Kingdom. Late Night Horror was a new BBC anthology series. Episodes featured everything from haunted houses to vampires to a brain kept alive in a jar. It was the first horror show to ever be shot in color, and it marked the first time that blood ran red on television. Perhaps because of this, it was also highly controversial. Naturally, the BBC received letters from viewers complaining that the show had traumatized their children. They said it was too terrifying to be shown on television. Not to mention that the BBC is and was publicly funded. British morality advocates were furious that their tax dollars were being spent on such depraved entertainment. After just six episodes, late-night horror came to an end. And the show wasn't just cancelled, the very tapes got destroyed. Late-night horror became one of the most well-known examples of lost media. Now, rumor had it that the program was wiped because it was too scary. But the truth is more complicated than that. You see, it's estimated that as much as 70% of television made between the 1950s and 70s is now lost. Over 250 episodes of Doctor Who are gone, as are some of the earliest appearances of The Beatles and The Rolling Stones. And I know what you're wondering. Why on earth would this stuff get destroyed? Well, it comes down to how people used to view television. In the mid-20th century, TV was considered low-brow. Broadcasts were meant to be watched once and then forgotten. Maybe more importantly, though, the tapes that TV programs were recorded on were really expensive. The BBC couldn't afford an unlimited amount of tapes, so when they wanted to make something new, they often had to record over something else. That's likely what happened to Late Night Horror. It was sacrificed to make space for a different program. But to paraphrase H.P. Lovecraft, there's nothing humans fear more than the unknown. The fact that Late Night Horror is impossible to watch only made it scarier. But then something changed. In the 1980s, a media collector named Chris Perry was combing through catalogs for rare tapes, and a listing caught his eye. Someone claimed to have a reel of a single episode of Late Night Horror, titled The Corpse Can't Play. It's believed the copy was sent abroad for foreign viewing before the BBC's own tapes were destroyed. And Chris, as you might imagine, was ecstatic. He called the seller, only to discover that the tape had been purchased five minutes earlier. The worst part? The buyer was anonymous. The episode had slipped right through his fingers. He didn't hear a word about it for the next 30 years. And then, in 2016, he found the exact same copy of The Corpse Can't Play listed on eBay. It seemed like the current owner didn't understand its weight because they were selling it for a mere 85 pounds. Chris immediately bought the reel and handed it over to the British Film Institute. After that, experts restored the tape, and in 2017, The Corpse Can't Play was screened for a live audience. For the first time in nearly 50 years, people watched a television program that was once believed to be lost. And you can even check it out for yourself now, too. DVD copies can be ordered online. And there are still five other episodes of late-night horror that have never been recovered. 
But the fact that one has been found gives me hope. Maybe history's scariest TV show is still out there somewhere, just waiting to terrify a new generation of viewers. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.